Everybody, welcome to a new edition of the Peachtree Post live on a Friday morning. I believe I have my co-host Jarrett Smith with me. Jarrett, are you there? Jarrett, hey, are you there? There you I'm are. Here. All right, we're flying uh, as a duo here with the Peachtree Post on a Friday morning. Um, welcome to everybody who is listening. This is our first run at a, a live morning show, so bear with us as we figure it out. Um, Jared, how you doing? I am pretty well. Um, I got all messages and whatnot. I just remembered I had my phone on silent till 10 a.m. So it's like, oh, I should probably get set up. And then I was like running around feeding cats at the same time. So it's um, it's it's morning. It's morning. It's morning. It's, morning. it's yeah. It's, this it's is all fine. good. This is fine. It's, this is fine. Yeah, for for sure. Um, so here we are, a few days, well, maybe a what, week and a half away from the expansion draft, uh, a little over a week away from MLS Cup, and things are getting pretty hectic in the world of Atlanta United. We had some big rumors yesterday. Um, one that we uh, haven't talked too much about in detail, either on the Peach Pit or uh, Jarrett and I, is, is the Fabian Johnson rumor. What did you think about that one when it popped up? I am on board with that if you can pull it off. The only thing, my whole thing is it's, is it's always about cost. Uh, is it a cost prohibitive move? Um, you know, what else can you afford after that? Uh, and do you want to, because I think I saw someone discussing, it may have been, it may have been 442 discussing the amount of money spent by the teams who were in the MLS final. Uh, so, I mean, you can't, you can try to play the money ball approach and not spend any money at all, but it, you're probably going to want to spend at least some money. So like it's, it's a move that it would be spending money and it would bringing in a very high quality player, even though most fans can't decide which position he needs to be playing in anyway. Um, I'd, I'd be down for it. Um, granted I say that, but his club team figured out what he should be playing. Yeah, and I think that would actually be a really good fit for Atlanta in Tata Martino's system. If he's playing as that winger on the opposite side from Tito Fischalba, that's a pretty good attack for a new expansion team to, to throw on the field. I, I think the biggest thing here is, is Stephen Goff from the Washington Post, who's one of the, the deans of American soccer reporting, reported this, but he didn't seem all that high on it. So I would be pretty surprised if this actually happened. Um, he would come through the allocation order. So Atlanta has the top spot there. So they have, you know, a clear path to getting Fabian Johnson if, if they choose to go down that road. Um, didn't expect that one. That one kind of came out of nowhere for me. No, but maybe this is what, when they pick the allocation order first, I think this is what they were kind of banking on is maybe not necessarily Tim Ream or Fabian Johnson, but um, as we've gone over before, everything about this this MLS season, everything about the teams, everything is really fluid. Everything can happen very quickly. So uh, at any given moment, we could see more rumors about players making their way back to MLS. And it 
could change at any given moment who is available for Atlanta United to add. I mean, yeah, actually, any, it could be somebody else. For sure. And and that's kind of the the thing. If you're If you don't follow world soccer super closely, this is how transfer discussion goes. You won't have an idea of somebody being on the radar and then all of a sudden there's a rumor and it pops up and then there's talk and then something could happen or it could just completely fade away. So we could be at a point where Atlanta United is, is making a lot of inquiries to a lot of players and agents and clubs around the world. And it could merely be that just, Hey, would Fabian Johnson be interested in coming to MLS at any point? Oh no. Okay. That's fine. It could have been that conversation. It could be more. We don't know. And we'll have to wait a little bit further along in the process to see what's next on the Fabian Johnson front. But there's another player that looks a lot more likely to be coming to Atlanta, and that's Sean Johnson, goalkeeper from Chicago Fire. I had a whole like little spiel set up for that for this morning, and it didn't go off at all. It it did not <laughs> develop properly. I woke up at 7 a.m. I was like, I should do that. And then I went back to sleep. Um that's how my morning went. Um, yeah, nice. so the the too long didn't read version is Sean Johnson, as Jason said, is probably coming to Atlanta United. Like unless something weird happens, which you know something weird could always happen. You know, don't worry, there's always room for weirdness. But it sounds like uh, it sounds like Atlanta United might have a goalkeeper. Yeah, and a, a very experienced one at that. I mean. Johnson's 27 years old, but he's played 176 games in MLS with Chicago. He's been a regular starter there from about halfway through his rookie year of 2010 up until last season where new manager Velko Panovic uh, didn't rate him as highly as he had been rated in the past. I mean, we're talking about a guy who at one point was the heir apparent to Tim Howard and Brad Guzan as the U S national team goalkeeper. And he's, he's slipped a, a little bit from there. Um, that's fair. And when you look at his performances, it's, it's fair, but he's a top 10 goalkeeper in MLS. He is a, you know, a, a local player as well from Lilburn, uh, Brookwood high school. And there's a lot to be said about that combination of a goalkeeper in the league, plus the local connection to get the fan base excited I think it, it's a good move. It'll depend on how much allocation money we have to give up to get him. And I don't know if we'll ever have that answer. Yeah, that's, um, as I said, you know, we were talking about this last night. I'm mostly tickled at the idea that like, yeah, let's give Chicago more money to make decisions with, because those decisions have been so great so far. Um, it, we basically, if this works out, it, what you're doing is Atlanta United gets their goalkeeper who is uh, from the area who can step in and be a solid uh, upper, you know, top, top half of MLS goalkeepers. And you have just sold Chicago, a box of Acme goods to the Wiley coyote. And he's, he's not probably, probably not going to catch the road runner. He's probably going to blow himself up. All right. That so themselves up counts as uh, Bastion Schweinsteiger. I, I wish I had my, uh, my breaking news sounder, but we have breaking news this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Darren Eels just tweeted, look out for another Atlanta United player announcement this morning. They'll be coming thick and fast now. Hashtag Unite and Conquer. Uh, I wish I could say that we planned this morning live episode uh, to coincide with this, but we had no idea this was about to happen. So there you go. Um, Craziness. The only thing I'm missing is Krispy Kreme donuts right now. 
<laughs> you know, we were not prepared for this. Um, so let's see what happens. I, I don't know. This morning could be any time between now and noon, I'm assuming. And we're going to have to stay tuned to Darren and Atlanta United and see what's up. A uh, couple things, just, just so you know, kind of rules and how things work. It could not be – they couldn't announce that trade for Sean Johnson because – the trade window does not open until December 11th, the three-hour window after MLS Cup. So they can't announce that. Um, I'm trying to think of who they could announce. They could announce a player who's out of contract. I think that's uh, about it. That's really about it because you can't make a trade within the league. It could be a player from the lower leagues, I believe, as long as they're out of contract. Um, beyond that uh, – we're playing the waiting game and we'll see what happens. Nice What's timing, good? Darren. Thank you. Thank you for the, the timing here. I'm, I'm very impressed. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's, um, it's just the way the league works. It's, it's the nature of the beast that you're not going to be able to, you know, say what exactly is going on. So that's fine. I have no problem with that personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm, very intrigued to see what happens, uh, while we're doing the show. So stay tuned to, uh, Twitter and Atlanta United there. So we'll see what, what happens. Um, and we'll discuss it as soon as we see what the news is. Um, I have really nothing on this point on what it could be. Uh, no, it, it, um, my, the, the, you know, the only question I have is, I don't know if this is going to be the case or not. The question is, is it going to be, you know, somebody who we might be expecting or like, and I wondered this about Sean Johnson, if, they and you mentioned that last night that they picked up his option, and yes. one of these things where they trade they picked up his option and traded him instead of not protecting him in the expansion draft and then losing him to Atlanta United in the expansion draft for nothing, which then Atlanta's got to pay his contract. But um, I wonder if there would be another one of these moves where teams are putting stuff to, putting teams together are putting together offers for their players and they're trying to move them and get, at least get something for even general allocation money instead of just losing them outright. Yeah. And going back to Sean, um, when you do the research on kind of what his situation was in Chicago, he was on the outs really from the beginning of the season. Uh, so there was talk about possibly him moving from Chicago during the 2016 season, but reports were that they weren't looking at getting much back in return. And, and maybe that could be because he had an expiring contract. Maybe it's a little different now they renewed it, but you know, there was some concern about what the cost would be and how much allocation money we'd be giving up. Um, It doesn't appear just based off that past story that there would be a whole lot of allocation money being given up because, you know, Chicago was, gonna move one of their goalkeepers Johnson or Matt Lampson and it was fairly obvious that that Ponovich their manager had decided on Lampson as his guy or now possibly the rumors actually Brad Guzan come into Chicago um, which would be a, a strange move in my opinion to slightly upgrade at goalkeeper but pay a lot more money so I, I it's Chicago so I mean I'm not going to try to get into Chicago's mind because I might give myself a headache but that's kind of where we're at yeah I mean, unless you want to pay Bastion Feinstager that much money. And then there's that one. Yeah, $16.5 million for three years is the rumor for Bastion Schweinsteiger to Chicago, which I just wonder <laughs> if he can last three months, let alone three years. 
you go right ahead and do that. As long as it's not me having to pay it, I'm fine. Yeah, this is true. Um, okay, so we're we're still on the Atlanta United watch. We're on hashtag uh, Darren watch, I guess, at this point. That's right. That's fair. <laughs> so we'll see what happens here. Um, There's always a watch. It, There's always a watch. Always. So as it breaks, we're uh, we're here. Um, okay, other stuff going on on the Atlanta United front. There's been a couple other players linked to Atlanta United, not as high profile as Sean Johnson, uh, or maybe not as well known, I guess would be a, a more fair way to say it. Francisco Calvo, uh, Costa Rican international uh, at Saprissa, has been linked directly to Atlanta United by the Costa Rican newspaper La Nacion. Um, he's a left back and center back, probably most likely a center back uh, in MLS. Played mostly in Costa Rica. He had a short stint in Denmark. Um, there is also a mention of the LA Galaxy being in the running for Calvo. There was another uh, tweet that went out linking another player, Daniel Colandres, uh, to Atlanta United as well. But I've only seen him linked to Minnesota in the Costa Rican press. So not sure if there's anything to it. But Calvo is a player who could be on that back line. He's 24 years old, so he's got a, a long career ahead of him. Uh, not a bad, not a bad look there. And that's what you need. Uh, as as we're getting to the point now where you have um, where you have a goalkeeper possibly in line, who's an MLS veteran goalkeeper, not too old uh, as we mentioned. He's 27. Uh, Sean Johnson is so. It's not like you're getting a 38 year old Tim Howard. He still has plenty of time, and goalkeepers age nicely, and the U.S. grows them like kudzu. So that's always fun. Um, defense is next. Uh, New York and Orlando showed you what happened if you don't have a defense. You're not – you might win games. Um, Orlando was fun okay, to watch. So they, oh, Orlando would here's, win. Oh. here's the signing. Here's the signing. Breaking news. Okay. Uh, Atlanta United signed U.S. Youth International Brandon Vasquez. Oh, yeah, I see it. Okay. So we will tell you all about Brandon Vasquez as soon as we can. Um U.S. Youth International, he is a member of the U.S. U-19 team. Um, give me a second. Uh, played with the U-17s in 2015. He is from Chula Vista, California. Uh, linked at one point to Club Tijuana out of Mexico. Um, this is a very different signing that was unexpected. He's a 6'3 forward. Jesus Christmas. I was looking at his size, like 1.88 meters. Like, ah, metric, that's that's over six feet, though. That's, that's a very large human being. They're going for target forwards now. Yeah. Um, this is this is an interesting move. You don't see a lot of international signings, um, youth international signings, of players who aren't linked anywhere. So this is where it gets a little complicated in explaining how the Academy side works and how things go, um, who you can sign and how you can sign them. Uh, Vasquez scored for the U19s on a free kick in Spain uh, back in August. Um, yeah, this is uh, another good young player being added and a young, young American player being added outside of the Academy. Uh, Quite a move. Yeah, I'd say so. I'm I'm on board with this. Wait, main center forward. Like, I, I mean, that 
Now, the only thing that makes me sad is this, like, kills any hope I ever had of Jeremy Ibobise, I think. Um, yeah, I think that's actually a really good point, Jared, because, you know, it looks like if you're going to go sign a young forward that you're probably not going to draft forward in the super draft, especially Ibobise. Uh, Either you think you're not going to get him or now you're going to go in a different direction. Um, of course, you could, always, you could always draft him and try and trade him, I think. And and you could do that as well. Uh, the press release is out. Darren Eel said, Brandon is an exciting addition to the foundation we're building with our roster. Our club is committed to identifying and securing young and exciting prospects nearing the prime of their careers. And Brandon is another example of that. He has a bright future for club and country, and we're pleased he's decided to sign with us. Uh, born in Chula Vista, California, made his U.S. national team debut in February of 2015 with the U-17s. I scored a hat trick in his second game against Bermuda. Um, he was part of the U-17 roster at the 2015 uh, World Cup. Um, scored two of their three goals in group play. The team did not advance to the knockout round. Um, scored against Croatia in the U-17 World Cup. Scored again against Chile. Uh, he was a teammate of Christian Pulisic in that tournament. Um, this year with the U-19s, Vasquez has scored four goals, including that game winner against Spain, a highlight reel free kick from 30 yards out. Um, also scored against Serbia recently. Bocanegra said, Brandon has the, national, the natural goal-scoring ability you look for in young forwards. He'll have every opportunity to contribute to our first team and to develop and progress with the national team. Um, that is it. 6-3 target forward. Well, we're assuming target forward because of his height. From Chula Vista, California, his previous club was Club Tijuana in Mexico. Signed as a discovery signing from Club Tijuana today. That's fun. What a fun morning so far. Yeah. Uh, I guess we need to go live more often. <laughs> um, we, we are the talisman. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're welcome. And this is, I, I like it because another kind of outside the box type of signing. Um, you know, you don't see MLS expansion teams going this route. Now, I was going to mention it about Sean Johnson before the, the news broke. Uh, when you've looked at goalkeepers for MLS expansion teams in the last 10 years, generally they have gone with an older veteran mid to late thirties, you can get a year or two out of them. Or you had one year where uh, I believe it was Chris Seitz was the goalkeeper at 23. He hadn't really started in the league and he failed. So Johnson is a, a sign of a different direction. A guy who's in his prime. Now you're going and getting young U.S. youth internationals who are available to sign and you're bringing them in. That's another bold move that Atlanta United's making. And like they said in the press release, they're not looking at him for, you know, the future. They're looking at him for now. He's going to have every opportunity to play day one. And we, um, and we've talked, we talked a bit last night about the idea of uh, what they go, what they do going forward with a goalkeeper, because now you've got, you've got Sean Johnson, which is great. Um, you've got uh, Tambacus who improved uh, impressively. So, do you stay with two? Do you bring a? Do you bring in a third keeper? Um, I, I mean, I don't know the answer to that. I think I think you do. I think you're you're going to look at loaning Tambacus to uh, either Charleston or or somewhere where he can play because you don't want to see his development stalled out. 
Um, and that's going to be a question when it comes to, uh, to our new signing here, Vasquez, because you don't want to see a young player just sit the bench. You want them to get playing time. And if they're not going to be able to get into the mix with the first team, then you need to find somewhere that they can play if they're a young developing player. I think Tambacus is a young developing goalkeeper and Vasquez obviously is a young developing forward that, that needs playing time. Um, this gives you a little more depth. Uh, it'll be interesting to compare Vasquez to Jeffrey O'Toole, who's also on the roster and listed as a forward, even though I've seen him described many times as a wide forward or a wide player um, out on the left. So maybe Vasquez is more of that direct uh, depth for Kenwin Jones as opposed to O'Toole, who might be more of the winger to fit into Tata's system. Yeah, and that's crossed my mind as well is – Okay, you've signed a, another young forward. You've got guys in the. Uh, you've got guys who are young who are playing for the academy right now who kind of fit that age. Where the, now, now the pressure's on you if you're a kid. You know, I mean, especially if you're the U18 team and your time's running out. Uh, you better make an impression. For sure, yeah, and that's that's the other thing. It just puts more pressure on the players coming up out of that U18 and U16 academy that now you're adding another player on top of that who is young and uh, the pedigree's there. I mean, we're talking about a, a guy who played in the, the most recent U-17 World Cup. We're talking about a guy who's scoring goals for the U-19 national team. This is a guy who can come in day one and play. And that's going to put more pressure on the Patrick Oconquos and Lagos Kungas and the forwards at, in the academy to show that they're ready to take that on. That's when you look at how clubs are constructed uh, worldwide, that's what you, you see is you're not going to coddle the young players coming up out of the academy. You want to push them and you want to help them develop into as good of a player as they possibly can. And that's looking at Tata's history, looking at his background, same with his assistant, Jorge Thieler. These are guys who come from that style of system at Newell's old boys. It is a survival of the fittest. And this is hopefully going to be a push for the young academy players to work even harder to earn playing time and to earn a look. Yeah, that's um, the U sixteens. I'm not so worried about you. We've gone over before, uh, as we've seen them play. Is I think the thing that impresses me most about the eighteens, especially and and the sixteens as well, is the amount of defensive talent that's there. Like you don't you don't think about you know how many defensive players you're going to pull out of your academy, but uh, you have a Nelson Figueroa down there. Um, you have, I can't remember his name, the, uh, his, uh, his partner, the center back for the 18s. Bryce Washington. Uh, thank you, Bryce Washington, who's like hyper-athletic, whereas Figueroa is kind of more in that, almost that Boca Negra mold. I think you described it as. Yeah. Um, so like, there's a lot of defensive talent down there. There's a lot of talent all over the field. Um, but they're, they're, they've got to start making their impressions now because they are running out of time. And the 16s, while not running out of time, and the 16s are just like brutal to everyone they play, um, I really want to see how they develop over the next oh, year or two and see like what – see, by, by the time they get to that 18 point where they're going to have to make a decision, the 16s will have two more years of seasoning. We'll see a better direction where the team is going as a whole. And uh, – it's going to be a different conversation just because the team's not going to be in the same place. Yeah. And you're going to be a little bit further along in, in this whole process. So this is, this is just a really 
again, another bold, different type of move. You haven't seen these types of moves out of MLS teams historically, especially expansion teams. Generally, you've seen, you know, a route like New York City followed this past uh, expansion in 2015 where they went and signed veterans and players who they thought could contribute straight away. Um, or you've seen, you know, Orlando who went with some international young players. Atlanta's going with Andrew Carlton, Chris Goslin, now Brandon Vasquez, uh, young American players that are going to be in the mix with the first team day one. That's, it's different. I like it. I think it fits what they're trying to build. It fits everything that they have said so far and what they want this club to be. And it fits what their manager wants to do. You know, he's looking at this as a project, not a a one, two year deal where he's got to win a trophy straight away. He's looking at a project that will sustain itself over time and bring trophies through that process. Yeah. And that's, and we're going to get into this in a bit is the way you get more players going down the road with the, the week, the, the three hour window of chaos uh, coming up next weekend. But you've gotten, you've made all these moves so far that you brought in, like you've got Gosselin, you've got Carlton. Um, now you have Vasquez, you have Chris McCann, you have Kenwin Jones, Tito Pajalba, like Sean Johnson, allegedly, but unofficially. It's pretty damn impressive. And there's still a lot of grabbing to be done because remember they have the first spot in terms of bringing somebody back, whoever that might be, whether it's a Fabian Johnson or something like that. It could be, but you can bring that in. You're going to have the second pick in the MLS super draft. And sure. It might not be uh, Jeremy evil but that's still going to be the, the draft has proven to bring in high, uh, to yield high, high skill talent very quickly. That's something that's going to happen. Like you're, you you filled out this roster nicely. You're still going to fill out the roster with more impact players. So the framework is really strong here, and they're just going to keep adding to it. And then you know we'll we'll see we'll see the bad more uh, more filler players and whatnot. But the roster as it stands right now, I it's as good as I could have hoped, as good as I could have asked for on paper. It's been impressive so far, and. Let's, let's start taking this to the next step. So we've talked about um, the potential ways Atlanta will add more players. We've talked about that trade window on December 11th for three hours, where it looks like we'll get Sean Johnson, uh, goalkeeper in a trade, uh, Kevin Kratz, midfielder from Philadelphia. I think there will be other moves around the league, and we'll see if Atlanta United is involved in any more moves uh, in that window. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if they were, but then you have the expansion draft and then you have MLS free agency and the waiver and the reentry draft that week after MLS cup, I think you're looking at potentially 10, 10 plus players joining this roster in that week. And my guess is now that, you know, we just talked about how young this group is with the exception of a couple of veterans. I think you're going to see some of these veterans and especially MLS veterans come through these other mechanisms within the league. I think you're, you know, free agency, you're talking about guys who are 28 years old or older and have been in the league for eight years. There's going to be some free agents that would be appealing to Atlanta United. Will Johnson, defensive midfielder with Toronto, uh, possibly DeMarcus Beasley as your left back. He's going to be a free agent. And Jacob Peterson, winger from Kansas City. 
Chance Myers, a right back from Kansas City. So you have options in the free agency route. Not even That's not even getting into the protected lists with the expansion draft, which there's going to be some talent there as well. Yeah. Um, if you haven't done it yet, you can go to Dirty South Soccer. As far as the expansion and stuff is concerned, um, Jason and the big boss Rob have been going over every team, and now they've built up the big, the big board. I think you guys did the big board this week. Um, we, we did our top tens from okay, our big tens. board series uh, this past week. Check that out. Uh, well, actually, next week we have a mock draft that we're doing with the new Minnesota United blog, E Pluribus Lunum, which is a pretty which cool is, name. I got to get a good prop for that. That is an 80 name on a scale on, a, on the 80 scale of scouting. That is an 80 name. I, I love that <laughs> so much. Um, yeah, I get I give them total props on that. So we'll have a mock draft with them coming up next week. Um, Rob and I, you know, kind of went through strategy on that. Pretty interesting when you start looking at who could be available. And this is all, you know, a lot of guessing between, you know, our site, between the other sites uh, in the SB Nation network. And just from from our first run through, it looks like you're going to have a lot of midfielders available, a fair number of outside backs. You're not going to see many strikers available, which might not be as big of a deal for Atlanta United now. And you're not going to see as many goalkeepers which isn't a big deal if the trade goes through and center backs was a little thin as well. So I think you'll see some guys, you'll see a couple starters. I'd love to see two, three starters come out of the expansion draft and a couple more depth guys, but there'll be lots of outside backs and midfielders uh, wingers is what looks like will be available. I think the key word there you used is depth. Um, <clears throat> MLS season is not a walk in the park. It is a lot of games over a very long period of time in a country that is extremely large and involves a lot of travel. Depth will be a thing, especially when you have to play a game, jump on a plane, go play in Vancouver, probably go play down in San Jose or something, then go play in the Midwest and then come home. Like depth's going to be a real thing because jet lag is a real thing and playing for 90 minutes. Like it's hard. It's tiring. It hurts at times. Depth is key here, and some of these picks might not be sexy in the sense that somebody might look at them and go, oh, that's not, you know, that's, that's, that guy's interesting, but is he going to start here? Probably not. He might not start every game, but he provides key depth, you know, in the middle of the week uh, for those quick turnaround matches. You know, somebody gets hurt. Somebody has to come off because you want to change things up. You can have a really impressive starting 11, but if you don't have any depth behind it, what does it mean other than the times when you can roll out your starting 11? You know, if you want to make changes, you're not going to be able to efficiently. Um, some of those signings, like I said, they're not going to be sexy, but they're going to be very important down the road. Very effective is, is kind of, I think, where I look at it. And you look, have to look at guys. You know, we've talked about all the young players that Atlanta's brought in. You do have to consider Kenwin Jones and his durability and Chris McCann as well. Uh, you've seen McCann with some, some nagging injuries at Coventry city while on loan this fall, you're going to have to prepare to give those guys some breaks. Um, now you have Vasquez. You can give uh, Jones, you know, a break up top. You're going to need some midfielders to go in that, that holding midfield role for McCann and if you're going to play what, what we would expect, just judging from Tata Martino's history, some variation of the 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, three, three, 
you're going to need a number of central midfielders who can both play the holding role and play more of an attacking role. So there should be some options in the expansion draft for you. One that I've kind of zeroed in on a few times is Michael Stevens from Chicago. He could be, you know, kind of, it's going to be a numbers game for a lot of the existing MLS teams as they prepare their protected lists. And you're going to see some good players who they would like to keep left out of that 11 players that they can protect. And Stevens is one who could be available. And Stevens is not one of those picks that you're going to, you know, run out and buy the Jersey and, and throw a party about him coming to the team. But he's one of those glue guys who you need in a midfield like this and can play a lot of different positions. He can play as a holding, he can play out wide, he can play as an attacking midfielder in spells. You need players like that to fill out a roster, and that's where sometimes expansion teams can can get hurt is where they don't have that depth when you have some injuries, when you have those three-game weeks. When the schedule starts to, to back up on you, you need those types of players that can fill in. And Stevens is one. Um, we've talked a lot about uh, Gonzalo Verone uh, from the Red Bulls, who we think will be left unprotected. That's not a guarantee that that'll happen, but we think it could. Um, there's there's going to be a lot of options in the midfield in this expansion draft. And if, if I had to guess, I think that's where most of the players will come from that Atlanta United picks up. There's questions now I have about guys like who are in this the the look that we've had before and the guys and the work that uh, the the great work that you and the uh, big boss did uh, in names like Gonzalo Verón like uh, um, how does he fit how does uh, Jack McInerney fit now that you've signed an 18 year old you know striker do you still go after a guy like uh, a McInerney who can play up top um, really good question and I, I think you definitely have to to look at strategy going into it now now that you have another forward you know is a guy like Jack McInerney as valuable to Atlanta United in that expansion draft now um maybe not because you do have a little more depth up top like if you go get a if you go get a uh Fabian Johnson let's say that does happen I mean it's just rumor there's really not much to it right now um you know if you go get him do you need Harry Ship I mean it'd be nice to have him but um, I would, you know, and the reason I would is I think Harry Ship has been played out of position wide. I think he's a number 10. And okay. if if you could play him as the 10 and have Vishalba and potentially Fabian Johnson or Gonzalo Verón wide on either side of him, that's a, a deadly attack. Um, the other question, too, that I'd like to see now is, you know, can Jones and Vasquez play together in a two forward setup? And we'll have to see, uh, could be, could give you more options, more flexibility. And, and Tata Martino is a manager who's not afraid to vary what he does based off his opponent and based off what he has to work with. He's not, he's not one of these managers who is four, three, three, and that's it. No questions asked. That's what you're going to do. He will mix it up. Um, so you could see some some different variations depending on who's playing well and depending on the opponent. Yeah, and that's I I, I still need to watch the young man play more often. Um, I, we I now that and now that we you know, it's just breaking, so we'll kind of figure it out as we go along. But I need to watch Vasquez more and see what kind of forward he is. I mean, even at his size, his size doesn't really. Oh, that's great, but it doesn't dictate what he is. Bjorn Johnson's playing over in Scotland. He's six foot five and he runs like a deer. 
So just because he's a big guy doesn't mean he's just going to be a target who doesn't move around a lot. Kenwin Jones has shown you uh, in his time that we've seen him play that he can be really lethal with the ball at his feet, turning with the ball at his feet in space, kind of in that uh, uh, not as explosive version of Josie Outdoor, but kind of in that vein of using his bot, using his strength to, to find space and to move with the ball. But a two, a two, a two forward setup, I'd be fine with. I mean, um, I get your point about Harry ship as well about playing him at the 10 fine with that. Um, personally, I'm just sitting here now, since you put it in my head this morning, now I'm just sitting here thinking about a line of Fabian Johnson on the left and either Verone or, uh, the on the right and having a target forward. And, oh, God, <laughs> I know it's, it's, given the, to get it, it's given it's given me the vapors. Not gonna lie. Nice. Here's a couple a couple more things on Vasquez. Um, you know, he's been part of Cholos uh, with Club Tijuana in Mexico. Uh, he actually played with the Mexico U17 national team squad for a year and played in some international tournaments. Um, he had a hip injury that kept him out of action, and he kind of fell out of favor with the Mexican squad. The U.S. gave him a call and he went for it and then was brought into that U- U-17 World Cup squad. Uh, talking to, this is uh, an interview from 2015 with the uh, Tijuana website. He said, I feel like I'm a leader in the front line. I talk a lot and try to get organized with my teammates since we're the first line of defense. Every opportunity I get, I score. So I'm also a natural goal scorer. That's my strength. Um so, and this was ahead of that World Cup. He was pretty pumped about, you know, being part of that squad and, and getting to play in it. I just got a, a text from our friend Ricardo Montoya, who is, you know, one of the, the better uh, judges of talent, in my opinion, in the Southeast. And he talked about how Vasquez was a guy that was on his radar for a while um, and actually compared him very similar to Jaime Chavez. Uh, for the former Silverbacks fans, you'll know Jaime Chavez one of the better forwards in the NASL. Um, he's with Miami FC now. Uh, Jaime Chavez, if I was describing him, he is uh, good size, good speed, scrappy, uh, fight and claw, and just one of those kind of natural-born finishers. And if, if Vasquez brings that to the table – and, you know, maybe he is a forward who could play off of Jones. Maybe he is a forward who could play as a lone striker, as a target. But I'm excited to see more, and, and we'll definitely be digging into some Brandon Vasquez highlights now. Yeah, that's got to happen. Um, and that's a, good, that's a good comparison. I like watching Chavez play. He was just – the way I would describe him is just fun. I mean, Chavez was fun because he could turn nothing into something. And that's it. That's it right there. He could he could make something out of nothing and score goals. And that's you need that in you need those types of players in this league. Yeah, he would just he could be surrounded, it could be a nothing ball. He could chase it down though, and all of a sudden you've got a scoring opportunity, whether it's directly through him uh scoring and shooting on goal or whether it's setting someone else up on a late run. It was he was just fun to watch and I enjoyed watching him play. I would take a if you gave me a young Jaime Chavez, I would, I would be down for that. I wouldn't say no. Yeah, and this is a player who has a lot to learn. Um, and being able to be with a manager like Tata Martino, um, you would expect his development to, to grow even more. Um, 
it's it's going to be an interesting time as we get closer and closer as we start to add more players. Uh, we have about 20 more minutes um, before we call it a day, but wanted to talk about the reentry and waiver draft process just so you kind of know what we're about to get into and what types of players could be available in that. The MLS, so right now you're seeing teams announce if they're not uh, picking up an option for a player, and that affects where they might go afterwards. We talked about free agency. If you're 28 years old, you've been in the league for eight years, you have free agency rights in MLS. You can sign where you want. There's, I think, a cap on how much you can sign for, and teams are limited to signing uh, two free agents every year. So you're not going to see a whole bunch of free agents come here, but one or two I think is very likely. The, then the players who don't qualify for free agency go into waiver or reentry draft. Waiver draft is players who haven't been in the league very long or are younger. Uh, the guys that I'm seeing who fit into waiver draft right now that are worth consideration, Jordan McCrary, outside back from New England. He's a local product, played for Concord Fire as a kid. I uh, went to University of North Carolina. Seb Hines, center back, he play, has played a lot for Orlando. Um, Orlando fans are not very high on him. Uh, he's played a good bit in the league, but maybe Orlando fans could, are not very high on any of their defenders, really. <laughs> that is true, and if you look at the numbers, they have a good reason to. So yeah, that's, maybe that's uh, like, that's like saying, oh, the Falcons aren't really high on their defense. There's there's a reason. I mean, <laughs> that's probably not the best analogy because the Falcons' defense is young and improving, but. That's like that's it's like saying a Pac twelve de- a Pac twelve team doesn't like or a Pac a uh, Big Twelve team doesn't like their defense. There's a reason. They have reason. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So in the reentry draft, these are guys who've been in the league longer but still don't qualify for free agency. And there's quite a few players Jermaine in there. Jones. Jermaine Jones is not a free agent. I hope his his agent <laughs> told him that. Um he did delete the tweet, so I'm going to assume that he knows now he's not a free agent in MLS. Uh, ugh, that, was, that was a mess. Um, that was beautiful. The first thing I saw will, about it was Kevin, Kevin McCauley from SB Nation, like, tweeting just laughing hysterically about it. Yeah. So, Jermaine is in the reentry draft. Some other guys to consider for Atlanta United. And keep in mind that players can – or teams can re-sign their own players – right now up until these draft these lists become final generally a day before that draft so a guy like ronald zubar with the new york red bulls they're negotiating with him to bring him back uh aaron mond from salt lake another center back they're negotiating to try to bring him back uh kevin ellis is another center back from kansas city that they're negotiating to try to bring him back if any of those three become available those are solid center backs you can you can build a back line on Michael Parkhurst is another that it doesn't look like he will be going back to the Columbus crew. He would go through the reentry process. Parkhurst is a guy who has lost a step, I think is, is fair, but is a leader, is a veteran. He's been with the national team in the past. He can play a little bit too. That's what I like about Parkhurst is he's, he's a little more technical than some other center backs in the league. I think Martino could value that and, kind of do the classic pairing of a veteran with a younger center back that can learn from, from a guy like Michael Parker's. That would be a nice building block on the back line. Um, some other guys that, that I think could be looked at in this reentry draft, uh, Christian Maidana from Houston. He is your classic number 10, does not play defense. If you play two holding mids behind him, you can make that work. 
but you can't put him, him in a – don't ask him to do anything defensively. Just ask him to create chances, and he'll do it. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Which we could that be, with the national team. Exactly, which could be – it could be a good fit. It, exactly. In this, in this situation, it could be a good fit with that typical 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1 setup where you're not asking that number 10 to play defense. You're asking him to be the linchpin, to create everything. Maidana could be a good fit there. Um, you also have Colin Warner, defensive midfielder from Houston, very good player. Olmitz Garcia, winger from Salt Lake, who, who might go back to South America. Uh, and before we just signed another forward, Charlie Davies was on my list of a guy to look at who will likely go through the reentry draft. Oh, Charlie Davies is going to fall in a manhole cover at some point. I love Charlie Davies, but I just his his whole career is just one long arc of curse. Sadly, yes. Sadly, yes. But um, he I think he'll, he's a player who will end up somewhere next year, and he can be a good forward off the bench for a team in this league. Um, I'm seeing some things start to pop up on Twitter now about the Vasquez signing uh, at USA Prospects, which is a, a very good follow if you're following young American players. Said Atlanta United stockpiling talent with Carlton Goslin and now Brandon Vasquez. Not many managers I'd trust more with development than Tata. That's exactly what you know we've been thinking all along is that Tata Martino would not be afraid of bringing in young players and then playing young players, which you see some managers in MLS do not like to play young players. So it's tough. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. I think we should always remember this is a. I mean, this is going to be an expansion team in their first year, and you've got a guy who's willing to play young players. And this first year, I, I don't want to necessarily. I don't know if it's the right term to say that he's playing with house money, because it'd be great if they won the first year, but the the record does not favor expansion teams in the first year. It just doesn't. Um, he has all the reason in the world to play these kids to see who's got what going in. And, you know, maybe you shock the world with them. Maybe you find a hidden gem of talent. You can always sub them off or, or you know, change things up throughout the season. It's a very long season. But he's kind of playing with house money where he can play these young kids and get creative and see what they've got. It's not like if they, it's not like if they don't make the playoffs, he's going to be fired. He's got all the room in the world and all the rope in the world with which to play these young guys to get creative and to see who's got what going forward. And when you've got this many young guys, I think that's important. Yeah. It's important to give him that opportunity to develop the squad. And, you know, I think back to uh, Martino's introductory press conference where he talked about how he came from a club in Newell's old boys in Argentina that put a priority on developing young talent. And that's what he wants to do here. You know, we're not getting the, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the foreign manager never does well in MLS. Don't think Tata Martino is your typical foreign manager because most of the ones that we've talked about, uh, and the one that always comes to mind for me is Ruud Hulet in LA with the Galaxy in 2008. Ruud Hulet wanted to sign every old European player he could find. And that doesn't work. And that's not Tata Martino. Tata Martino is wanting to sign young talent. You know, we haven't talked about the two young players from Newell's who have been linked to Atlanta United. Both are on the fringes of the Newell's first team. Uh, one is a center back. One is a left back. 
and I believe one was 21 years old, one was 18. You know, you're talking about developing a young team that can run. I mean, it's kind of a funny comparison to, to Dan Quinn and wanting speed. That's what we're looking at in some ways with this team, with a lot of youth, a lot of guys who can get after it, a lot of guys who can put the other team under pressure and will develop and grow together. It might take a year or two, um, but MLS is a league where you can become competitive fairly quickly if you make the right moves. Yeah. So we'll have to see how else I want to see how else they sign. You know, we've talked about how many ways they can still see still sign. I want to see how many of it is young guys. And cause you know what? I think we've gone over this before. You don't want it to be a team just made of young players. You've got to have veteran presence there somewhere. And you've got it in a sense with Kenyon and Chris McCann, you and old, you've got older players who have been around the block and you've got now Sean Johnson, who's been in the league for a while, but I still would like to see, you know, a veteran center back would, would be just fine by me. I don't care if you spend DP money on a veteran center back. I can live with that. And I'm not saying like, you know, 37 year old on his last legs might give you a year or two, but I'd, I'd be fine with like a 29, 30 year old center back. If you can find one. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, the Liam Ridgewell type of signing in Portland is Thank a good you. one to look at. Um, veteran, still got some years in him, but can bring some leadership and really solidify a back line. And he brought an MLS Cup to Portland last year, and a big part of that was his signing and, and his performance. So I have no problem with that. I, I don't know how married Atlanta United is to using designated players as attacking players. I don't know if that's a – a definite or if they're going to go after the best players available, my guess is that's what they're thinking um, is to go after just the best players that fit what they want to do and to fill the holes that they need to fill. And right now it's quite a few, but after that week of uh, the week following MLS cup, you're going to see the roster really take shape. And then you're going to be able to look at the super draft and say, okay, we need a right back or we need a center back. This is who we're going to go get. Yeah. And um, don't forget, like we said, we still have free agency after all this is said and done. Like there's still free agency after, after all of the three hours of chaos, the reentry drafts and not even just like free agency, but like international in January. Like, yeah, Exactly. Like you can go get somebody from around the world. Like we're t- there's so many rumors right now about players leaving the MLS and that's fine. Like guys trying to get over to Europe because that's where they want to be. And that's understandable. Don't hold that against them, but it's a two way street. This door opens two ways. You never know who could come through the door back to MLS to Atlanta. And I think there's a lot of potential for guys to make their way back home. If they want to change, if they're kind of, you know, in their early thirties and they might want to go to the U S like there's, the international markets are going to be there as well. And they've already proven that they're not afraid to go get international guys. So uh, I think you made the point. Uh, I think you made the point last night, Jason, about how it, how uh, Orlando went and signed the big, no, you already made it today. I think um, how Orlando went and signed the big international guys, whereas Atlanta's signing the local guys. It's, it's a well, different home. mentality. Yeah, it's a different mentality, and I think it it says a lot about what Atlanta United wants to accomplish in the long term. I mean, this goes along with investing $60 million in a training facility for your academy and your first team. This is 
this is building a club for the long haul and building a club that can develop its own talent and develop local talent, uh, but also not be afraid to go get a kid from California who is one of the best young forwards in the United States. So we should go get a big left thing. wing in Germany who's really good. There's there's him as well. There's there's quite a few. So let's run through. America? We've got yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I'm we've got. <laughs> See, we're we're still getting used to this. Sorry, folks. Um, we've got a little over seven minutes, and just so you know the timeline to look ahead to, so you can kind of think big picture as these moves happen. You have trade window December 11th. You have expansion draft December 13th. You have waiver and reentry draft on the 15th and 16th. You have a second stage of the reentry draft uh, December 22nd, I believe. Then you have the super draft mid-January, and you have the international transfer window. So you'll start, you'll see the bulk of the roster come together in that week after MLS Cup. You'll see the super draft bring you a starter for sure with that number two pick. If you make trades, if you do other things to get more picks or whatever, we, that could change. But with the number two pick, you're going to get a starter. And then you'll see the international transfer window as a way to fill in the gaps or you'll see as the rosters come together where there where a gap has been created for assigning like Andre Guardado, who is still on the radar, um, maybe a Fabian Johnson, others. Andre Guardado so, is going to stay on the radar forever. He is. Uh, radar I hope. Player. I hope not. I hope he's going to be here at some point, but we'll see. You know, one that. thing. To, I mean, I'd love the signing. Something to keep in mind on the expansion draft uh, with this Fabian Johnson rumor. If Atlanta United goes out and gets Gonzalo Verón in the expansion draft with the first pick, who, you know, right now, if you start to look at protected or projected protected lists, Verón is probably the biggest talent that could be available. If Atlanta United picks him, it would be a lot less likely that they bring in Fabian Johnson unless you're going to play him as a left back because then you'd have Vishalba and Verone as wide players, and you're probably not going to add a third starting-level wide player. If they go away from Verone and pick a Harry Ship or a center back or whatever else with that first pick, then maybe they're keeping a spot for either a Fabian Johnson or another international signing at winger. So start to think about strategy as these things come together and start to think about, well, one move affects three other moves down the line. So it's not just as simple as getting the best player available. Also, don't forget that in a couple of years, there's going to be more teams coming into MLS as it continues to grow, which it should by all means. Um, we're going to be on the other end of this. We're going to have to have this discussion in a couple of years about who do we protect? Who do we not protect? Who do we intentionally leave unprotected when the expansion draft, if the expansion draft happens again, there's no guarantee that it will. They might just give LAFC just all of the general allocation money to play with. But if it does happen again, we might have to have this discussion on the other side of the fence. It's true. And it, I mean, it will happen. There will be more expansion teams coming in. Uh, you're looking at LAFC in 2018. We don't know if another team will come in with them uh, as Miami is still <laughs> muddling uh, along. That sums up Miami's uh, expansion efforts right now. You have St. Louis who's making some noise. You have Cincinnati who's making some noise. You have Sacramento who is, is pushing along pretty hard. If if I had to, to put money on it today, I would think Sacramento is probably the closest to coming in with LAFC. 
but they might just opt to bring in LAFC and be with an odd number for a year um, until they give either Cincinnati or Sacramento or maybe Miami a chance to get things together. Um, but they're talking about 28 teams in the next, you know, five, six years. So you're going to have this happen. You're going to have to keep producing talent to replace these guys as, as things happen, you know, MLS rosters, there is a good bit of fluctuation from year to year. So you have to keep producing players who can fill in. You look at what Dallas has done. They have signed two or three homegrown players this offseason after winning the Supporters' Shield, after winning the Open Cup. They just keep rebuilding and keep restocking. That's what I think you want to see here. They should enjoy that for as long as they can before Oscar Pereja becomes the head of U.S. soccer and leads us to an era of dominance. And I am completely good with that. I would love to see that happen after uh, Bruce Arena writes the ship and gets us to the World Cup in 2018. Uh, we only have two and a half minutes, so I don't feel like yelling about, about that whole situation again. <laughs> um, I think my favorite thing I've seen this morning, though, is uh, in this all this expansion talk, someone asked Jason Davis about San Diego. He, he replied, I think MLS wants San Diego more than San Diego wants MLS. So, exactly. That's the thing I've seen this morning. When you start to get into some of this expansion talk, people always come up with, you know, oh, it's a great market. Well, that's nice and all, but somebody's got to cut a check and somebody's got to run the team. So a market is one thing, but it doesn't run itself. So you're going to have to see somebody attached to it with some money and who can run an organization effectively. And every expansion team that's come in so far, uh, probably since Seattle has, has raised the bar in the league. And this is the first MLS Cup that will have a it won't have an MLS original franchise in MLS Cup. You know, they talk about MLS 2.0 and Toronto and Seattle kind of starting that. Is Atlanta United really the start of MLS 3.0, where you take the combination of developing young talent and a commitment to doing it with the money to back it up? and to bring in big names on top of that. That's what it looks like Atlanta's trying to do. And that's a game changer for soccer in the United States. I certainly hope so. I certainly hope they are making the blueprint going forward and we'll get a better idea of, well, you know what, honestly, we'll have a really good idea this time next year. We'll probably have one before, before this time next year, but a year from now, we'll be able to look back and say that worked. That looks like it didn't work. Here, here might be the blueprint, one way or another, that kind of is the future for a growing league that is trying to make its stamp on the world stage and so far is doing a damn good job. And keep having barn-burning finals like you had with Toronto and Montreal is a good way to do it. For sure. Um, so, everybody, thanks for joining in. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you're listening live, we really appreciate it. If you're listening after the fact, again, thanks for all the support. Uh, follow the show at Peachtree underscore post. You can follow uh, my co-host Jarrett at Jarrett underscore Smith. I'm on Twitter at Longshoe, uh, DirtySouthSoccer.com, as well as on Twitter dirty, at DirtySouthSoc, S-O-C. Thanks for, thanks for joining in, and I guess we'll have to do more of these if we're going to have breaking news every time we do a live show. So we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Mucha plata. Mucha plata.